Well, good morning, everyone. Glad you're all here this morning. Why don't you grab your Bibles this morning and turn to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5 is where we're going to start. Just before we get going there, a special welcome. We have Reverend and CK, uh, Reverend CK and Grace Chitty with us this morning. Yeah, associate pastor. Why don't you guys stand up? Yeah, come on over. Yeah. We're uh, thrilled to have you all, you both here. Thank you for coming today. It's uh, CK and his wife, Grace. Uh, we're associate pastors here at Moncton Wesleyan back in the 80s, I believe. Yeah, great to have you here. Uh, just a quick update. Some of you have been asking about our uh, Circle of Friends ministry. That's our special uh, ministry that we uh, support or we're involved in as it relates to uh, ministry for children, uh, students, and adults with special needs. Uh, we are just about to launch our buddy program, our Circle of Friends buddy program. And so if you're interested in becoming a buddy, that's once a month uh, here at the church at Moncton Wesleyan, definitely contact us. Likewise, uh, if you're a family member here this morning with, uh, with a child who has an intellectual or, de- or a de- de- developmental disability, there we go, or you have a disability perhaps yourself and you'd like support from a volunteer buddy here at Moncton Wesleyan Church, just contact us. Contact me this week. I'd love to give you some information about that important ministry. We want to be a church that supports exceptional people uh, like this. And so thanks for your help. And, uh, and thank you for backing this important ministry, Circle of Friends ministry that we have. Well, here at Moncton Wesleyan, we, we have a mission statement. Many of you know what that mission statement is. It's this. People inviting people to experience and follow Jesus. Can you say that with me this morning? People inviting people to experience and follow Jesus. This morning we're starting a brand new series. It's called Deeper. Deeper. And specifically what we're doing is we're looking at the life of Peter, the apostle Peter, the disciple, a real person in the Bible who exemplifies actually what it means to experience and follow Jesus. We're going to gain lots through this series about moving on from where we are right now into something more. So we're talking about discipleship over the next few weeks, and we're talking about spiritual growth and transformation. Now, I can't think of a a better way for us to particularly start this series, to launch this this series on transformation and change, than to check out a few throwback pics from from yesteryear. Can Can we look at some pictures this morning? Yeah. Let's take a look at some pictures here. This is transformation, isn't it? This is that amazing preacher from last week, Pastor Liz. Yeah, let's see what else we have here. Oh, there's our youth pastor with hair. Yeah, look at that. Young adults pastor, age 14. Yeah, this is Pastor Mike, evidently with too much hair uh, when I was age eight. Yeah, what else do we have? Wow, look at that shot. Pastor David. Dapper David at age 25. I'm going to let this next one speak for itself. Wow. Pastor Dale. Doesn't he look like Justin Timberlake? Hey? Wow. That is something else. We've changed, pastors. For the better, right? For the better, wouldn't you say? And that principle of change, it can, of course, be applied to us very practically as Christians, too. We can say as Christians... We have the capacity to experience positive change, noticeable transformation in our lives. And Moncton Wesleyan, catch this. 
God has journeys of transformation in mind for you. Amen? Amen. But recognize this morning, recognize that these spiritual changes are not just a way to make ourselves better. You see, discipleship isn't merely a spruce up uh, or a makeover or a polished job to make us look good and feel better all about ourselves. It's not like a power lifter or a crossfitter who, who spends hours at the gym only to, to look at himself or herself in the mirror and say, oh my, how, how beautiful I look. It's not that. It's not that at all. No. The transformation that God wants for us is because he has a purpose for us. We go deeper with God for the sake of God's mission in our world, for the sake of becoming the people that God wants us to be. So let's look at how this worked for Peter in Luke chapter 5, verse 1. Luke chapter 5, verse 1. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, that's the Sea of Galilee, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into, the, into one of the boats, the one belonging to Peter, and asked him to put out a little bit from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they'd done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break, and so they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken, and so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Peter's partners. Then Jesus said to Peter, Don't be afraid. From now on you will catch people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. From the text that we just read, we, we find out that Peter is a fisherman who has he's worked all nights. How many of you work nights here? Any of you? Okay. How many of you worked last night and you're actually here? Wow, God bless you. Yeah, let's give that... Let's give you a hand. That's, that's amazing that you're here this morning. God bless you. That's great. In our story, we learned that this has been one of those nights. Things, things have not gone well. Peter and his crew, they've worked hard all night. They haven't caught anything. Now, I don't know about you, but whenever I work really hard for something and I don't get it, my natural response is to be disappointed. It's, it's to be upset. This is probably where Peter is as he's riding into shore that morning. And so I can picture Peter coming back into, into the harbor, and he's disappointed. He's probably exhausted, but remember, there's still some work to do. He's got to clean his nets, and so Peter is cleaning his nets, and Jesus hops onto his boat, and he asks Peter to push the boat out a little bit from shore because Jesus wants to preach to the crowd, see? Quite literally, he's using Peter's boat as a platform to speak. Now, I want you to imagine this with me. The, the Gospel of Luke tells us that Peter 
has actually already met Jesus just a little bit before in chapter 4, in Luke chapter 4. And so Peter has, has seen Jesus doing some amazing things all around town. There's even rumors that Jesus is the Messiah that the Jews had hoped would come for many, many years. And now this guy is on Peter's boat. And so as tired as Peter must have been, as rough a night as it may have been, we can, we can imagine this as a special moment for this particular fisherman. Here's Jesus, a pretty big deal. The newest show in town taking interest in a fisherman with a, fisher boat, with a fishing boat, showing up and saying, hey, Peter, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. Can I, can I climb aboard? And, and so we've, we've got to think that this is an important moment for Peter to experience Jesus like that on his own turf. Suspect many of you here can uh, think back to a time in your life when you accepted Christ as Savior of your life. The excitement of, of coming to know Jesus as the one who saves you. Do you remember that, some of you? That amazing feeling of knowing early that God loves you and, and wants, to, wants to enjoy you and be with you. That realization that the triune God wants to live in our hearts and enjoy us. You know, as, as pastors, ask any pastor here, uh, as pastors, undeniably, one of the, the greatest parts of our job is, is hearing young Christians share and experience the excitement about that newfound faith that they have. It's awesome. Everything is new. There's excitement there. There's hope. There's that adrenaline rush of uh, having that awareness of, of eternal life. And it's amazing. It's amazing to see that thrill, that pure elation, the, the passion in a newly transformed life. And here at Moncton Wesleyan, we love to celebrate that. We celebrate that weekly. And we love that, the vibrancy of the new Christian. Of course, it's true that new Christians have issues that they haven't dealt with yet. Yes, their lives are messy, but God knows that. God knows that. God doesn't necessarily barge directly into their life and remodel everything from top to bottom. No, the Holy Spirit helps new Christians through the process of early change, of repentance, of transformation, where gradually people are, are made aware of areas under construction. And no doubt some of you are right there now, and we are glad that you're here this morning. We're glad that you're here. You've got that overwhelming excitement about Christ in your life. And it's awesome. The church feeds on that sort of excitement. We're glad you're here. And some of you are here this morning. And you've never invited Christ onto your boat, so to speak. And we're glad that you're here too. We're glad that you're here too. You're watching maybe from, from a distance right now. You're, you're trying to figure out this Jesus guy who he actually is, what he's actually all about. Maybe you're here uh, because you've seen something different in a spouse or a friend or a neighbor whose life, it, there's something different about them and they say it's because of Jesus and you just can't figure that out. Or maybe you're here this morning and you've been compelled to check out this church for a little while and you just get this sense. There's, there's a sense there 
that there's something or, or someone big here. If that's you this morning, we're glad you're here. Glad you're here. Regardless of who you are, though, we can all learn something from Peter's story. It's this. When we accept Christ into our life, essentially what we're doing is we're giving God permission to come aboard our boat. You with me this morning? But friends, when Jesus gets on, he he doesn't demand an immediate journey across the lake. He asks us to push our boat boat out a little bit from shore. And it's, it's in the shallow waters of discipleship that we learn new things about Christ for the very, very first time. This, by the way, is why we believe so strongly in Alpha. Alpha is one of those safe places in the shallow water where people can ask questions. And so if you're interested, check it out. May 31st, Sunday, May 31st, 9 o'clock, right here. Seekers and, and young Christians, they may not understand everything. But their relationship with Jesus is real. And that's what's important at that particular point in their spiritual journey. And so in our story, Jesus enters onto Peter's boat. And Jesus asks Peter to push the boat out a little bit from shore. And what does Peter do? Peter obliges. Peter obeys. You with me this morning? Tracking the story? Let's push ourselves back into Peter's world. Up to this point in this story, it's conceivable that Peter is fairly comfortable with what Jesus has asked. Can I come on board? Sure. Can you push it out a little bit from shore? Okay, Jesus, I'd be, I'd be more than happy to. In fact, it's a privilege. But then there's this in verse 4. When he, Jesus, had finished speaking, he said to Peter, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Mm, Not so sure about that one, Jesus. Now remember the context here. Jesus, by profession, is what? He's a carpenter. And he may be a great teacher... But Peter, see, Peter is a fisherman. And Peter knows, as all good fishermen do, that the best time to catch fish is not in the middle of the day. On top of this, it's been a really rough night. Peter and the other fishermen, they're undoubtedly tired, and they've just cleaned their nets, it says there. But now, Jesus... The carpenter by trade says, come on, Peter, let's go deeper to toss out the nets. Now, let's recognize this morning. Let's recognize that this must have challenged every fiber in Peter's being. I can imagine Peter thinking, Jesus, I'm tired. I'm tired. I've already helped you with this preaching thing, Jesus. Now this Or maybe he was thinking, thanks, Jesus, for the advice. (laughs) But I know what I'm doing. Jesus, carpenter, you're embarrassing yourself. Shh, don't don't speak so loud. Feel free to sit in my boat anytime you want. I like you. I mean, 
you're an amazing person and all. But go deeper. Toss out my nets. That's not rational, Jesus. That's not logical. No offense, Jesus, but that doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Let me hit a little closer to home this morning. Jesus, I'm too tired. I don't have time to read my Bible this week. Jesus, you're in my life. But this situation that I'm dealing with right now, you, you can't understand what it's like. Jesus, you're a great speaker, but I'm really busy at work. I need to focus. Can, can we talk later? Jesus, it's great to think about you at youth group, but school, school is totally different. And so, Jesus, you sit here as long as you want but please don't mess up the furniture. Jesus, you come and sit in the back of my boat. There's a great cushion there. There's a good view. We'll talk, but I'm guiding this ship. Jesus asks Peter to go into the deeper water to cast out his nets Friends, the the problem with many Christians is that we are unwilling to go deeper with Christ. Are you with me this morning? Many of us remain in in, in the shallow water where where things are familiar, less demanding, comfortable. Listen, we do not drift into holiness. We do not gravitate toward godliness or obedience or faith. In fact, it's the opposite, isn't it? It's the opposite. Many of you are maritimers by birth, and and so you understand the, the concept of drift. You've been to the beach before. How many of you have been to the beach so far this spring? Some of you, okay. You've been to the beach already. You know what this is like. Maybe you grew up on the ocean as a child, and so you've had that common experience before where you've left your family's uh, blanket or umbrella or, or towel or whatever it is on the beach to go splash in the ocean, right? And so you're having a blast and you're swimming and you're jumping in the waves and you're having a good time. And then after a while you look up (laughs) and your family is nowhere (laughs) to be seen. And your umbrella has mysteriously disappeared. It's disappeared. It's vanished. Just a minute ago it it was right there, but now it's gone. Oh, there are towels and there are families and umbrellas on the shore, but they're not yours. (laughs) And then slowly it dawns on you. You've drifted. You've, You've drifted. And then you see your umbrella. How did it get over there? I was just playing here for a few minutes. Friends, there are times in our Christian walk when Jesus urges us to go deeper, 
but we choose our own way. And we get caught up in our own stuff. We drift. We drift. Well, we don't mean to drift away from God, but we feel we might just know a little bit better than God on this particular issue. Or we buy into the devil's lies about us. We succumb to sin. Or we settle for what's easy or simple or familiar when God's path to change involves something that challenges us and makes us a little bit uncomfortable. And so I think a truth that we can actually draw from this story, Peter's story this morning, is this. That there are things involved in going deeper with Christ that we may not want to do, but those things make us into who we were created to be. Jesus says to Peter, come on. Come on, Peter. Let's go deeper. Now, let's give Peter some some credit here. In verse 5, it says there, Peter says, Master, we've been here all night. We haven't caught anything. But if you say so, guys, let's go. I know, I know, I know. We're going back out. We're going back out. Peter takes Jesus at his word and goes deeper with him to drop his nets. And so in the text that we've just uh, been reading so far, we've seen two levels of, of commitment. First, Peter is challenged to let Jesus on his boat and push out a little bit from shore. And Peter, to his credit, he does this. And then second, Jesus asks Peter to go deeper, to let down or let go of his own ideas and trust God a little bit more. And Peter does that too. But the story, see, it, it doesn't stop there. There's, there's even more. You, we've read just what happens. Peter and Jesus and the crew, they go deeper. And it says there in verses 6 and 7 that there's this miracle catch. There's a miracle catch. A miracle occurs. Suddenly there's tons of fish. So much so that their nets are actually breaking. And the boat is, is so full of fish, it's about to sink. That's how serious it is, says there in verse 7. But friends, the climax of this story, I don't believe, is in the miracle catch. I think the climax of the story is in Peter's response. It's in Peter's response. After the miracle catch, take notice of where Peter's focus is. What is he doing? What is he doing? He's falling at Jesus' feet. He's falling at Jesus' knees, it says. And listen to Peter's words there in verse 8. He says, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. Now, some of you might read this particular passage and think that, that uh, Peter was overcome by Jesus' power. That, that Peter is awed by the majesty of Jesus' holy divine presence here. And, and, and he's shamed by his, by his own smallness and his inability and his failure. But I'm not sure that the literary context in Luke chapter 5 there actually supports this interpretation. See, if we, if we flip back one chapter into Luke chapter 4, 
we're actually reminded that Peter is not all that unfamiliar with this miracle performing Jesus. In fact, it says there in Luke chapter 4 verse 39 that Jesus actually stayed at Peter's house just before this and miraculously healed Peter's own mother-in-law. And then in verse 40 and 41 of chapter 4, it says that within that vicinity, Jesus healed all kinds of people, even sending demons fleeing. And so it's likely here, within this context in Luke chapter 5, that Peter's already had a front row seat to the amazing power of Jesus. But notice, in chapter 4, there's no evidence that these awesome miracles caused Peter to fall on his face, to fall at Jesus' knees and recognize his own sinfulness. And yet, here on this boat in chapter 5, jammed full of flopping fish. Can you picture it with me this morning? We find Peter at a crisis of faith. I want us to try to put ourselves on that boat when the miracle is actually happening. Picture it with me. There's, there's tons of fish. At first, the, the miracle must have seemed like a, like a jackpot for Peter. Remember, fishing is, is Peter's livelihood. And, and a boat full of fish, man, that's like pay dirt. <laughs> and, and so I can imagine Peter at first, he's laughing And his eyes are wide and his heart is light and conceivable. It's conceivable that when all those fish are flopping around and they're coming in, Peter's mind is racing with thoughts of his future. Wow, look at all these fish. That's pure gold. That's an addition on my house. (laughs) Or maybe the thought crosses his mind. I'll make Jesus a a partner. That's what I'll do. I'll make him a partner in this fishing thing. And and we'll work perfect together and it'll be a win-win. Then he looks into Jesus' eyes. Uh oh. There's a serious look there. And somehow Peter knows Jesus is about to call him into something more. Something more. Somehow, suddenly Peter knows that Jesus isn't there just to come on and visit on his fishing boat. And he's not there to help with a miracle catch. With fish gold all around him, Peter senses that Jesus is about to say, follow me. Follow me. And suddenly, Peter understands what that means. It means... Leave everything. Leave everything. And so Peter falls down in verse 8. And he cries out. Here's my rough translation. He cries, oh God, please back off. I can't. I can't. I just can't. Just go. Just leave me. What you're asking me to do is too hard. It's too hard because someone must leave in this story. Either Peter leaves the fish and the boats and the security and the prospects 
or Jesus leaves Peter. Church, we're not all that different. We can follow that very same pattern. We love it when Jesus comes onto our boat and tells us amazing things. We love it. And we're certainly not against Jesus coming onto our boat or coming into our lives and filling up our nets with everything that we could want. But then we say, God, just, just leave us be. Leave us alone just for a little while. Let us, let us enjoy this life that you've given me. Read a testimony of an honest Christian this week who described it this way. This is what he wrote. He said, I have little interest in knowing the will of God in my windfalls, but much interest in having the provision of Christ in my pitfalls. I want to be rescued, but not bothered, comforted, but never disrupted, soothed, but not disturbed. Friends, is it possible that God could be calling maybe a few of you this morning to such a scary and risky place to leave everything that you know to follow him. In the end, we know how it went for Peter. It says in verse 10, Jesus addresses Peter's fears gives him a new mission, the call for which he was created to be. Jesus says, don't be afraid, Peter. Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll fish for people. And friends, Peter's life is never, ever the same from that point on. Let's bow our heads this morning. Moncton Wesleyan, I believe that the Holy Spirit still calls people like Peter today. And for some of you, it's very possible that he is asking you, can I get onto your boat? Will you let me into your life to spend some time with you? If that's you this morning, I want to encourage you to invite him aboard your boat, to invite him into your life. For some of you, he's saying, Christian, it's time to head out into deeper water. You need to let me take control of a particular thing in your life. Maybe there's sin that needs to be confessed and dealt with. If that's you, I want to encourage you to accept the challenge to go deeper this morning. Maybe for a few of you, Jesus has that wild look in his eyes. You can picture it. And you know that he's about to ask for everything. Is it a call into something big? Is it a vocation? Is it a ministry? Perhaps. If in these three scenarios I've described to you this morning, we're going to pray here, and I'm going to invite you to continue to, to respond to God. Let's pray this morning. Father God, there are those here this morning who 
are at a particular point in their life where they're ready to actually make a commitment to invite you into their life. Maybe something this morning has spoken to them and, and, and through the power of your Holy Spirit, you've prompted them. This is, this is their time. Maybe, maybe this is the first time. Maybe it's a recommitment. Your Holy Spirit is, is prompting them and you're calling them and they're reaching out to you. To those of you who are doing so, I want to invite you to pray a simple prayer, a simple yet a big prayer, a prayer that will change your life. It goes like this. Jesus, I recognize you as Savior of the world and Savior of my life. I admit and I confess to sin in my life and I invite you in. Guide me. I want to be like you. I invite you aboard my life. Holy Spirit, I believe that you may also be prompting others with a challenge uh, from a message like this this morning to go, to go deeper. You've pinpointed something in someone's life this morning where they have sensed it's time to go deep. It's time to go deeper into discipleship. If there are those here this morning that are calling out to you, I pray, God, that you would give them courage to take the steps into the deeper water of a relationship with you. <coughs> They're recognizing, God, that this is going to take time and energy and effort, but they want to serve you. They're tired of shallow Christianity, and they want to go deeper. I pray, God, that you would honor the prayers that are being lifted this morning. And Jesus, there may even be some here this morning who are being prompted by the power of your Holy Spirit to give up everything. I don't know what that means you do. And I believe that you have the potential to reveal what that means for that person. And so Holy Spirit, give direction this morning where direction is needed. As people venture into the holy wild of a relationship with you, whatever that looks like, vocationally, ministry-wise, whatever it may be, honor the prayers that are being lifted up this morning. Thank you, Jesus. We pray this in your name.